This morning, we're going to be looking at what Jesus says about the work of the Holy Spirit. We are in the farewell discourse. Jesus has told his disciples that he is going away, and he has just told them that they will be hated and persecuted by the world because they followed him. And now in chapter 16, starting in verse 4, Jesus says, But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is God's word. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we pray now for the same spirit who inspired the words before us, who breathed them out to come and give light to us, to open our eyes, to soften our hearts, and to give grace to cling to Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I have a question for you all this morning. If you had the choice, what would you choose? Jesus physically present with you where you could hear his voice, you could see his face, or the Holy Spirit? Jesus physically present right in front of you or the Holy Spirit? What would you choose? I think most of us, without thinking, would choose Jesus physically present with us. And we would say this because most of us think that if we could just see, that it, that it would be enough, it would be easier to follow him. But here in John chapter 16, Jesus tells his disciples that it is to their advantage that he goes away. 
their advantage. Could you imagine how hard it was for them to hear this? The disciples have experienced a roller coaster of emotions. Jesus had told them that one of them would betray him. He said that Peter was going to deny him. Their hearts were troubled at all of this. And mainly because Jesus had told them that he was going away and that they could not come with him. And now in our passage this morning, we see that now sorrow has filled their hearts. Jesus has told them that they will be hated by the world since they follow him. They will be hated, and he won't physically be with them as they experience this hatred. And yet he says, it is better. It is to your advantage that I go away in order for the helper, the Holy Spirit, to come. In this sermon, I hope that as we go through this text that you also see the advantage of the Holy Spirit's coming. For those of you taking notes, I've split the sermon into two sections. Um, in, in verses 4 to 11, we will see the spirit of conviction, the spirit of conviction. And then in verses 12 to 15, we will see the spirit of truth. So the spirit of conviction and the spirit of truth. And, and the main point, what I hope you see in the text is this. Our gospel witness depends on the Holy Spirit who convicts and leads to the truth about Jesus. Our gospel witness depends on the Holy Spirit who convicts and leads to the truth about Jesus. All right, look back at verse 4. Jesus says to his disciples, But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes... You may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. Jesus says, I did not say all of these things, all of these things probably speaking of that the world was going to hate them and persecute them. He didn't say that before because he was with the disciples. One commentator says that while Jesus was with them, he was the lightning rod that attracted flashes of persecution. He was the one who absorbed the blows. But now he's telling them these things because he's going away. And he says in verse 5, But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you asked me, where are you going? Now, if you've been going through this upper room discourse with us, you might wonder why Jesus says this. Because didn't Peter ask that question back in chapter 13? In, in verse 36, didn't Peter say, Lord, where are you going? Well, when Peter asked that question, it wasn't because he desired to know the place that Jesus was going, but he was more concerned that Jesus was leaving. D.A. Carson says, Peter's more like a little boy who is disappointed that his father is suddenly called away for an emergency meeting when both the boy and his dad expected to go fishing together. The boy says, oh, dad, where are you going? But he really doesn't care to learn where his dad is going. The question is a protest. The unspoken question is, why are you leaving me? 
That's what Peter was really asking. And so Jesus was disappointed that his disciples had not really asked questions about where he was going and what it meant for them. Instead of wanting to know more about this, they had sorrow-filled hearts. And so Jesus says in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He says, it's to your advantage that I go away, because the helper will not come to you unless I go. Now, Jesus has been talking about the Holy Spirit for a couple of chapters now. He has a lot to say about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And so if you want to learn more about the Holy Spirit, focus on John chapters 14 to 16. And if you focus on those chapters and you focus on Jesus teaching about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, you will less likely be driven off course by strange winds of doctrine and weird experiences. And remember, a couple sermons ago, we talked about the Spirit being a person. Not, he's not an it or impersonal force. The, he is the third person of the Trinity. He is God. And Jesus mentions in chapter 14 that when the Spirit comes, he would be with the disciples forever. Forever. In the Old Testament, the Spirit would rest on someone for a time and then depart like we see with King Saul. While the Spirit was active in the Old Testament, the Old Testament prophesied that a time would come where there would be a new experience of the Holy Spirit. In Joel chapter 2, it's prophesied that the Spirit would come upon all people. In Ezekiel chapter 36 and 37, it says that the Spirit would dwell within God's people personally and permanently. And so Jesus' words in these chapters seem to point to that new age of the Spirit that the Old Testament prophecies pointed to. And so he says, it's better that I go away so that the Helper can come. Now, what is Jesus saying here? Are, are Jesus and the Holy Spirit not able to be in the same room with one another? No, that's not what he's saying here. So what does he mean that he must go in order for the Spirit to come. How can we be better off with the Holy Spirit than with the physical, bodily presence of Jesus? Well, most likely, Jesus was referring to the work that he had come to do. It seems that the Spirit's coming was dependent on Jesus' dying and rising and ascension into heaven. In order for the Spirit to come down, Jesus would have to complete the work on earth that he came to do. Only when Jesus finished what the Father had sent him to do could the Spirit take that finished work and then apply it. And so it is to our advantage that Jesus has gone to the Father. And going to the Father, Jesus went to die on the cross for the sins of those who believe in him. And Jesus rose from the dead three days later. And then he ascended into heaven, and he now sits at the right hand of God the Father, ruling and reigning. Jesus came in order to save us from our sins. 
to defeat death and give us new life and to offer us an eternal hope. And while we may not have the physical presence of Jesus with us, we do have Jesus spiritually present with us through the indwelling of the Spirit. We learn that in John chapter 14, that through the indwelling of the Spirit, the Father and the Son make their home in the believer. It is to our advantage. And it is to our advantage that Jesus is going to the Father because we and the world need the Spirit. That's what we see in the following verses. Jesus says in verse 8, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. He is the Spirit of conviction. Jesus says when the Spirit comes, he will convict the world. The, the world that hates Jesus and hates his followers. And now the Greek word used here for convict is that same word we see in John chapter 3, verse 20, where Jesus says, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. The same word is translated as exposed. So when you think of that word convict, think exposed. In fact, in these verses... In chapter 16, the work of the Holy Spirit is to be a light, just to shine a spotlight on the world and expose sin, and to shine a spotlight on Jesus, to glorify him. The Holy Spirit convicts or exposes the world. My office at home has a lot of windows, and so it gets that morning sun and that afternoon sun. And sometimes a beam of sunlight comes in through the window, and I see all these little particles dancing in the air. For the most part, I like to believe that my office is pretty clean besides all the books and papers on the floor. But when that direct light comes in through the windows, I see things that I didn't see before. Or have you seen those commercials that are trying to promote that new cleaning product? Right? There's this beautiful kitchen with, with beautiful marble countertops, and yet the lights go dark and the black light comes out, and you see all those gross stains all over the countertop. You see things that you didn't see before. That is what the work of the Holy Spirit is like where the world is convinced that there is no sin in them, the Spirit shines a light to convict, to expose. And Jesus says that he does this concerning three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment. Jesus says in verse 9, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. The Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning sin, the great problem of mankind is sin. Our sin has separated us, separated us from God. The wages of sin is death. And yet the world doesn't see its sin. It doesn't see its guilt. And Jesus says that the Spirit will come and bring conviction about the world's sin, specifically about not believing in him. 
Do your friends and neighbors know what is the greatest of all sins? To live in this world and pay no attention to God. The sin of the world is refusal to believe. The average unbeliever doesn't look at their unbelief as sin, but when the Holy Spirit comes to convict, that is the primary focus. People think they're okay. They say, well, I'm not a sinner. I haven't done many bad things. In John 3, 16 through 18, Jesus says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That's great news. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Jesus says in John 8, 24, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. The Holy Spirit is sent into the world so that people come and see that ignoring God's one and only Son, not believing in him, is sinful, and they are guilty. Jesus was born, he came into our world to save his people from their sins. And so the mark of a regenerate Christian is not, oh yeah, I believe in God. How many people say that? Especially when we're sharing the gospel with them. And they say it because they want us to just be quiet and move on. Right? And some of them actually believe that they're safe. That's not the mark of a regenerate Christian. A regenerate Christian says, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died for my sins. The Spirit is at work when people see that they're not just imperfect people, but that they are sinful people. Not just that they have regret for their mistakes, but repentance for their sin. When we sin, one of the root causes for us falling into sin is unbelief. In that moment, our hearts are saying, I don't believe in Jesus, who he says he is. I don't believe that God sees. And so we sin. The Holy Spirit reveals the sin of unbelief, but this convicting work of the Spirit is designed to bring people who are in the world to recognize their need for Jesus. First you see your sin. You also need to see the righteousness of Christ. Look at verse 10. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. The Holy Spirit comes and convinces us that our righteousness is not enough. We cannot earn 
our salvation. Non-Christians today are deceived into thinking that their, their so-called righteousness in their lives is enough to put them in good standing with God. I don't commit adultery. I pay my taxes. I haven't committed murder. The world has been lied to by Satan into a false sense of security. They think their righteousness is enough. The Holy Spirit comes and he convicts the world of its counterfeit righteousness, but the Spirit also convinces the world of true righteousness that is found in Christ. That's why Jesus spoke of going to the Father. Jesus, by his resurrection from the dead and his ascension into heaven, proved him to be right. He has entered into glory. He was able to enter into glory because of his sinless life. He is the true righteous one. And in Acts chapter 2, Peter proclaims that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This is the gospel truth that those convicted of their sin need to hear, that there is forgiveness for sinners and righteousness in Christ. How can I be accepted by God? Not by my own righteousness. Only by the one who is truly righteous. In Titus chapter 3, verse 5, the Apostle Paul writes, He, Jesus, saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit will convict the world that its righteousness is not enough, and yet Jesus died for our sins and grants righteousness in Christ through faith alone. Sin, righteousness, and then in verse 11, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. The Spirit comes and exposes the world's bad judgment of, of rejecting the Son of God and following the ruler of this world, Satan. And so the Spirit reveals that Satan is judged. In John chapter 12, verse 31, Jesus says, in reference to the Son of Man being lifted up, in reference to him going to the cross, he says, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. The day of the cross was a day of judgment. On that day, God pronounced judgment on the ruler of this world, and therefore on this world. all of those who are content to remain under the dominion of Satan. Nobody really wants to admit that there will be a day of judgment. No one likes to hear that. But all who rebel against Jesus will face judgment. And on the basis of that, the Holy Spirit convicts the world and persuades them to escape. Peter preached in Acts 2, verse 40, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Save yourselves from this world. 
There's a call to turn to Christ so that on that final day, we will not be condemned, but accepted. You must get away from Satan's rule now. Jesus bore the penalty and judgment for sin for all of those who believe in him. The Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, most of us have had friends who we've read the Bible with before, maybe invited to church, and then it makes no impression on them. It's heartbreaking. They hear that they're on the road to destruction, and they walk away with no awareness of their guilt. When that happens, we feel so helpless. We think, how can I get through to them? How can I make them see? What we're reminded here in this text is that you can't. The Spirit is the one who convicts. On the day of Pentecost, the day that Jesus pointed to in this passage where the Spirit came, that happened. Peter proclaims that sermon in Acts chapter 2 in the power of the Holy Spirit. He preached to a crowd of people who were proud and self-righteous. And we are told that at the end of his sermon, they were cut to the heart. If he were to preach that same message even a day earlier, no one would have tolerated what he said. But it says that they were cut to the heart. The Spirit brought conviction. And then they asked that amazing question. What shall we do? I don't know about you, but in the times that I've shared the gospel, I'm the one asking that question for them. How amazing would it be if someone just came right up to you after you had shared the gospel with them and they say, what do I need to do? The Spirit comes to help the world see that it's wrong about sin. It's wrong about righteousness and judgment. And in doing this, the Spirit convicts people and convinces them about the saving work of Jesus so that they repent, so that they believe and are saved. To put it plainly, the Spirit convicts in order to convert. While it's the Spirit's job to bring about conviction, He accomplishes this work through us as we bear witness. This passage follows what Jesus had just said in chapter 15. He said that we would be hated by the world and yet helped by the Spirit as we bear witness to the world. Now, there are certain things, no matter how faithfully I try to communicate them, they're just going to sound weird to an unbeliever. Like the hope of the world is a guy who died on a cross. And he rose from the dead. 
Those things sound weird to a world that has a whole different way of making sense of reality. The people of the world cannot see. They are spiritually blind. They don't see their sin. They don't see that they are following the devil. And they don't fear judgment because they don't believe that they're going to be judged. And if they do know, they don't even care. And that's why the Father and the Son sent the Spirit to open blind eyes, to expose sin, and to shine light in the darkness. So there isn't a person who will come to faith in Christ as a result of my ability or your ability to articulate the gospel. Without the work of the Holy Spirit, nothing will happen. We can never cause people to see their sin and their need. We can never convince people that Jesus is the only way of salvation. We will never cause people to see that they are under God's wrath and judgment and that they need to call on Christ right now at this moment to save them because they're not promised tomorrow. Pastor Dick Lucas says, evangelism is a miracle ministry. Only a supernatural work of God through the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and soften our hearts, that alone will bring us out of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. And so church, when the Lord saves, that's a miracle. Everything you say when you evangelize to your neighbor is going to be seed falling on the stony path until the Spirit brings conviction. It might be interesting to them. They might be fascinated with your diagram of, of the cross and how it is a bridge from, from man to God. But it will never truly make sense to them until the Spirit shows them that he or she is a sinner in need of a Savior. All of this means that if the Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, we can never be without hope in evangelism. Do you believe that the Spirit can do this? Do you believe that He can make dry bones live? Can He bring sinners to faith and repentance? If you believe that, then you should be praying for that. Do you desire the conversion of your neighbors, your friends, some in your family? Maybe you have in the past, but you've given up. Maybe you've gotten so used to the situation at the office that you've just given up. What we should be praying for as we talk with them about Jesus is, Spirit of God, come and convict these people who have hearts of stone. Convince them that they don't believe in Jesus and help them to see the truth. Will you pray for this? 
Pray for the lost people in our lives. Pray for the people in our church that don't believe. Pray for the people that might walk through those doors one day. Pray that they would be saved. Maybe there's someone here today and the Spirit is working on your heart, exposing your sin, helping you see your need for Jesus. I personally would love to talk with you at the end of service. If I'm talking to anybody, feel free to come up to me and interrupt. This is what the Spirit does concerning the world. The Spirit convicts, and the Spirit leads to truth about Jesus. Look at verse 12. Jesus says, I have still many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Jesus has more to share with his disciples, but he knows that since sorrow has filled their hearts, now is not the time to put another thing on them. And so he says in the future, when the Spirit comes, he will reveal things to you that I want to share with you. Growth in Christ works just like that. Learning is a, is a process for us. There are some things that if they were said to us right now, we might not be able to bear them. And that was happening with the disciples here. And Jesus says that when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Jesus would continue to teach them by way of the spirit. Now, we need to see that Jesus is not speaking directly to us in this passage. The you in this passage are the disciples who were listening to him say these words. They were going to experience something unique that we don't get to. These men are the apostles who were going to lay the foundation for the church the Spirit would, would come upon these men specifically and lead them into writing the rest of the Bible, the New Testament. Have you ever thought about how this clumsy group of disciples become expert theologians on the other side of Pentecost? It's fascinating. It's because the Spirit led them into all the truth. The Spirit is responsible for the truths about Jesus that they preached and that they wrote down. The Spirit led them into writing and completing the Scriptures, which has now been handed down to us in our Bibles. And so while the words here aren't spoken to us, there is application for us. We, too, need to be led into the truth. We, too, need to know what our Savior said. We, too, need to know how to live in light of what is still to come. And now that we have the New Testament, we can. And so today, the Spirit doesn't guide us into all the truth outside of reading our Bibles. 
The Spirit now guides us into truth through illuminating his word to us. Jesus says in in verse 14, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So what is the work of the Spirit? The, The work of the Spirit is to come and take what the Father has placed in Jesus. All that belongs to the Father and to Jesus and make it known to the apostles so that the whole faith that we enjoy today, the truth, is a result of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, he will glorify me. I mentioned before that the Spirit works as a light, right, to to shine and expose the sin of the world but also to shine as a spotlight on Jesus. The purpose of the Holy Spirit's ministry is to glorify Jesus. And so if something doesn't glorify Jesus, it does not come from the Holy Spirit. Just as Jesus in his earthly ministry glorified the Father, the Spirit in his ministry glorifies the Son And as we meditate on the scriptures and we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, the spirit will work inwardly in our hearts and in our minds to help us understand who Jesus is and what he has said and to learn how we can honor and glorify him. This is why Jesus says it's to your advantage that I go away. And until we see him face to face for the first time, it's to our advantage as well. We should appreciate the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives way more than we do. And so as we think about how to apply this text to our lives, let's not forget why it is to our advantage that the Spirit has come. It isn't so that we stand idly or silently by and trust whatever work that needs to be done in the hearts of unbelieving men and women who are in the world will be just done by the Spirit's work alone. No, the Spirit has come to indwell and empower you and me to bear witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is through our witness that the Spirit works and the world is convicted of its sin, of its false idea of what righteousness is, and of the reality and certainty of the judgment that will come upon those who don't know, trust, believe, and treasure Jesus Christ. Jesus still has many things to say to us as well. But let us not be blind to how he says these things. Let the word of Christ given to us in the pages of the New Testament dwell in us richly. The Spirit is our helper. He convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and he guides us into all truth through his word. Our gospel witness depends on the Holy Spirit who convicts and leads to the truth about Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the person 
and work of the Holy Spirit to convict the world and to teach us the truth about Jesus. May his work be evident among us. We pray, Holy Spirit, that as we bear witness and preach the gospel, that you would work in the hearts of many in this city, those in this church, our neighbors. We pray for salvation and that Jesus would be glorified. In his name we pray. Amen.